The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing. Striving, as always, to be your public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And I was thinking today about the fact that Real Life Real Estate has now been on the air for 20 years in various forms, and uh, I still am in here almost every week, uh, finding finding guests, interviewing them, trying to get some information out there to the public that uh, is is lacking um in in other fora and i was i was considering like what is the role of real life real estate amongst all of the other stuff that's out there the real estate associations and the boot camps and the seminars and the home study courses and the online forums and the you know there's there's, there's all these different uh places where you can go to get information and uh you know real life real estate is just one of them, but I realized that I sort of see the role of real life real estate as twofold. Number one, that I'm trying to introduce you to a lot of different concepts, um, ideas, people, um, things that are going on out in the world, not so that you can learn in the course of a 44-minute radio show how to go do it exactly, but so that you can see if it's something that you're interested in, that you want to explore more, that you want to maybe go find your local expert or go to the boot camp or find the home study course. And the other piece of it is really to um, make sure that you get with other people locally that can encourage you and help you and kind of smooth out the path and keep you from making the mistakes. And I'm not referring here to some local guru who wants to sell you a book or sell you coaching or something like that. I mean, like a real estate association where you can be with lots of people who um, are positive and like-minded and uh, willing to not just help you out, but uh, lend you a helping hand and encouragement and so on. So um, hope that I'm fulfilling that role here and continue to do that. It's um, it's a little bit different than, you know, teaching a class where you can start at A and go to Z and you've got eight hours to do it. But uh, hopefully it's uh, giving you lots of good ideas about different things that folks are doing and letting you pick the one that's going to work for you because it's not all going to work for you. 
Um, my guest today is another in our 2016 lineup of real life investors, folks who've just learned how to do something and made made a system out of it and have a little niche in their market that they are uh, working to great effect. My guest today, his name is Rob Gillespie, but he's better known as Rob the House Guy. I know it sounds larcenous, but no, seriously, that's what people call him is Rob the House Guy. And uh, Rob started investing in the mid-90s. He was uh, a landlord at that time. And like a lot of folks, uh, tripped over some tripped over some pits in the road and uh, stuck with it anyway uh, and has now done over a thousand real estate transactions. There's two things that are super interesting about Rob's business. One is it's in Cleveland. I know, I know. We'll come back to that. Number two is... His business model involves taking properties, making them into turnkey investments and selling them to out of country buyers, which is something that I know a lot of folks have been asking about here on Real Life Real Estate. So joining us from his home near Cleveland, Ohio is Rob Gillespie. Rob, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hey, thanks, you know. Um, so let's 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 get the Cleveland thing out of the way. Because, well, now, you know, I know you're, you're there and it's, it's different when you're there, but, uh, man, when I say, when I say I'm from Ohio, when I go to, when I go to, you know, groups around the country and I say I'm from Ohio, their first, their first, the first thing they say is, oh man, in the market, they're terrible. Aren't, can't you just, you know, aren't all houses free there and aren't all notes defaulted there? And I say, no, 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 that's Cleveland. So (laughs) there's a... There's a there's a perception that that part of of you know northeastern Ohio and this isn't this isn't me this is like like hard money lenders have this perception note buyers have this perception everybody has this perception that it's it's very very depressed up there and that you know pretty pretty much any house you would look at would be worth like you know five thousand bucks fully fixed up so what what is the market really like up there in the Cleveland area? Well, the farther out you go, when you say you're from Cleveland, it just becomes such a macro thing. Like even being in Cincinnati, you'd say, "Well, I'm kind of from the Cleveland area." You know, it's all Ohio, and when you know you're, you know, six thousand miles away, it's all the same. But the closer you get, you really start pinpointing neighborhoods. And yeah, are there free houses of these horrible houses in the inner city that have been stripped of all their plumbing, electrical, and PC? People give you for free with twenty thousand in back taxes. Absolutely, absolutely. But the market in the greater Cleveland, Northeast Ohio area. Is completely amazing. It's really it, when I go to other parts of the country, and I'll even go to some of, you know, my my colleagues' homes and, and visit them in California or Phoenix, and I go in and they're telling me they paid eight nine hundred thousand dollars for the house, and it's a house that here I could pick up for forty or fifty thousand dollars and mm-hmm. still get eleven hundred bucks a month out of. So it's just really amazing of how hot the market is here, and you can buy some really good housing stock at a very reasonable price. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like any place else, because I, I was just in Detroit about a month ago. Oh. And of course, you know, even Cleveland is saying, oh, to Detroit, right? And I didn't, I didn't see any of the stuff that you hear talked about on the news and you see the pictures of, you know, the whole neighborhoods that are all boarded up or torn down or abandoned or whatever. What, what I saw was the, the, the suburbs outside of Detroit, which looked like any other Midwestern city with some you know, $50,000 houses and some $150,000 houses and some $500,000 houses. So it goes, it, it kind of goes to, to show a couple of things. Number one, when you're in the market, when you're in that market, there's always a way to make money. 
<laughs> right? When, you're, oh. when your boot's on the ground, there's always a way to make money. It doesn't matter if it's Cleveland or San Diego or Minneapolis or Boston, right? Absolutely. I, I, could, I could go to anywhere USA and find a way to make money in real estate. I mean, just anyone with experience probably could. I, I really am right now very fortunate because Cleveland's giving us a ton of leverage and making it a lot easier to take people to Cleveland. Because, I mean, being here 20 years, I've gone through the depressing times, the bad times, when it really was like that. There was all the mortgage fraud going on in Cleveland. There was this horrible house war free. There was nothing. They just tore the flats down. That was their big entertainment district. They tore it down. It was just riverfront with vacant land. And now, you know, we just won the, you know, LeBron, the championships here. And then we have the RNC coming to town. We have the medical centers are just going crazy with the Cleveland Clinic and University Hospital, the medical mart. And just downtown redevelopment's crazy. The waterfront development's crazy. So it's so easy to bring an outsider in here now and impress them with just how it is here in Cleveland. Just the excitement around here is just insane. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so we don't have to worry about your personal safety or your ability to make money up there in Cleveland. We can all we can all just be calm about that. Um, when we when we come back, uh, we're going to talk to Rob about a, a very interesting uh, business that he has developed in uh, finding houses, renovating them, putting people in them, and then selling them to out-of-country owners. If you have questions about this business or about the market up there or whatever you'd like to know, give us a call at 877-772-9658. Again, that's toll-free, 877-772-9658. You can also send us an email. Just go to our website at realliferealestate.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Rob Gillespie, a.k.a. Rob the House Guy. And we're talking today about his business model, which involves taking properties and turning them into income-producing assets, selling them to investors to hold. And the bulk of those investors are out of the United States. So a whole bunch of stuff going on here, Rob. Let's um let's let's start with the with the front end of this. Let's start with the inventory side, okay? What is it you're buying and then what are you doing to it? Well, it all depends on which house I'm getting. Many of them which I like to get are the ones that are already producing an income and just might need tuned up a little bit. But any house that can generate an income, whether it is or not, I will tune it up to its maximum potential so it gets the maximum dollar, and I will do my best to convert it to a rent-to-own strategy where the tenant actually has interest in buying the property is working towards something and not just treating it as an extended stay hotel. I think once that's up and running, then we go through and sell it off to uh, someone that wants to hold it for long-term investment. Okay. Okay. So these are, these are, these are properties in, in sort of um, uh, rental to what we call bread and butter type neighborhoods. Uh, these aren't, if, if, if people are picturing like a half million dollar or 3000 square foot house in a great school system with, you know, all the bells and whistles that pro probably doesn't work as well <laughs> from a cash flow no. perspective as these cheaper houses and in 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 northeast ohio these fall into what kind of range of, of price it would be the the b neighborhood type homes and these are where people are that's where getting their start they're the the starter homes maybe a little um 1200 square foot bungalow and our investors might be buying these for uh 
fifty to sixty-five thousand dollars, and they're sold for eighty-nine-nine on a rent-to-own to our tenant buyers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the monthly payment again is anywhere about from seven ninety-five up to a thousand fifty, depending on the house. Okay, all the very affordable pricing. So it's just a step above what they were renting for in the inner city, but now they're in a neighborhood where they can take their bulletproof vest off during the day. <laughs> and, you know, they, there are, people have jobs and they're working and the school district's not horrible and fiscal problems. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, you had a, when you, the email that you sent me with the questions had a funny statement on it about um, with these folks, banks say no, but I say maybe. Can, right. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you talk about that a little bit? Essentially what we've done, and Dina, you've been in this forever as I have, and we've watched back in the olden days with these subprime lenders, the BC lenders that were lending to anybody with a pulse. And they got a little bit crazy and out of hand. And then the pendulum swung the other way. And now you have to walk on water to basically get a loan. So we've created our own basic subprime lending program, basically, by doing a rent to own. We're taking people that are on the way out of the woods, not into the woods. Maybe they've had, you know, divorce or medical bills or job loss or illness or something's caused them to get their credit score bumped down in the high fives, maybe low sixes, mm-hmm. and they have the income, and they just need a place for the family that they can call home, where they're not getting bounced around from rental to rental. And uh, we give them an opportunity. If, they, if we feel that they have a stable enough income with a minimal down payment, we'll give them a second chance of homeownership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so all sounds really good so far. You're giving you're giving these folks a second chance. You're also, let's face it, giving the property a second chance because yeah, the, the neighborhood. <laughs> yes, in, in, in all likelihood, um, that you know that houses in that price range tend to go to landlords who are going to put tenants in them, and tenants don't, in theory, take as good a care of a property as a sure. homeowner does. So, so uh, all all good so far. Now, what about? What about the the other side of this, which is now you got these folks in, they're paying their seven ninety five or their nine ninety five or whatever a month, and you then sell the property? Yes. Well, we did basically like the old days with the banks, how they would create the mortgage and then sell it. They were getting bundled on Wall Street and just going to wherever. We're selling to individuals. And it used to be individuals that had self-directed IRAs or 401ks, and here in the States were buying them. But lately, all the foreign nationals, they found me. I didn't even go seeking them. They came to me and started coming in droves saying, hey, I hear you do a lot of houses in Cleveland. We'd like to buy here in America. They're affordable. And the same houses that they're getting for fifty, fifty-five thousand dollars $55,000 are $800,000 American dollars in their country. Mm-hmm. They're not much different in rent. Mm-hmm. Now, is that is that an exchange rate issue? Is it an issue with the particular countries uh, from which you're drawing the money? A little bit of both. I'm not so sophisticated that I'm following exchange rates at this point. Um, I know that the real estate values there are just out of control. They're just they're, they're just huge. It's like buying in downtown LA in a lot of these places. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. So so Cleveland prices just look just look super attractive no matter what the exchange rate might be in in those particular areas. So when you when you sell because because this is this is I think what's gonna um, boggle some listeners' minds. You already kind of promised to sell the property to the guy who's living in it for $89,000, and now you're selling it to somebody from Asia or Europe 
for $65,000. How, how is that possible? What about the poor guy who thinks he's going to buy it for eighty nine? <laughs> now, his agreement with us is completely transferred, tied with the property, and assigned over to the new buyer. And it is completely legal and binding. And that old, the new owner has to honor that original agreement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The new owner is still honoring the original agreement. Yeah, well, the way, the way I always try and describe this to people is um, you can buy property subject to an existing loan. And everybody's heard of that. You can also buy them subject to an existing land, to, uh, subject to an existing lease option, and that's what that's what's happening here is that the the buyer the buyer out in wherever understands and actually wants. I mean, it's to his advantage to have the person yeah. who's living in the house buy it up the road two or three years for almost ninety thousand dollars, right? Because that's that's <laughs> absolutely a, that's a big chunk of his profit. Um, how often is it the case that the the lease option, we'll call him buyer, he's not really a, a buyer, but let's call him lease option buyer, the guy living in the house, um, does not pull it together, get his loan, ends up moving out? Well, it's absolutely a case of how much we lead that horse to water. And if you're really pushing along and you create the mindset up front, and that's what I'm really going to talk about, because the mindset is everything. Because think about this, all the listeners out there. When you walk into your house, you probably take your shoes off. You don't drag your hands down the wall. You don't tear the house up. And you take care of it. You probably go outside, plant some flowers, and make it nicer. And if you don't make your mortgage payment next month, who does that house really belong to? Is it yours or is it the bank's? That's why the bank's, but it's nice to feel like it's yours already. And that's where we really work hard at trying to create that mindset up front with the people that, listen, we are playing bank for you. We are working this to make you a homeowner. So we introduced them to a credit restoration company to say, hey, listen, up front, this is what you need to fix, this, this, and this, but we're not going to make you do it. You're giving us a 5% down payment that's non-refundable, and if you choose not to buy this, so you're unable to buy it, then you're going to lose that. So we do work at trying to get them there once in a while. It's all a little bit short, and we will extend the contract, depending on which investors we're working with at that time. But I tell everybody this, and find out the answer you want to hear. I tell everybody it's 50-50, mm-hmm. because we do have statistics, but that can completely throw yours out of the, the window. And it, it does better, and the better the house, the better the conversion rate. But we're dealing in the maybe the 159.9 range, which is one of our higher-end ones. Those convert much better than if we're doing it just outside the inner city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although just outside the inner city in some ways needs those opportunities more. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And don't make it sound like a total disaster when they don't convert because they do renew and they do stay and they have fixed the home up. And it's the, the move out process, if they do decide to leave, is completely different than when a tenant leaves. Usually you find the house in better condition than what you gave it to them in because they've done improved. They've painted. They've landscaped. I walked into one house. I had our uh, leasing team go out there and take pictures because we leased it. The guy got married decided not to buy. And they showed me pictures, and I didn't recognize it. This guy put a huge bathroom, and he blew the wall off with a master bathroom. It was amazing. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is great. <laughs> yeah, you got you to gotta love deals that even when they don't go like you expected, they 
go well. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe better than you expected in in some cases. Okay, so um, for those folks who, which is everybody, can't can't calculate all of the internal expenses here, right? Because uh, your 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 investor is. Uh, buying the property from you, so I assume you are making some amount of money on that transaction, yeah. which on, on average is, is going to be what? Oh, absolutely, yes. I do make money when I sell the property to my investor because I'm a for-profit organization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a markup. Mm-hmm. And uh, my goal is that I try to sell everything on a minimum of a 10% rate of return annually after expenses. Mm-hmm. We call it 10 cap, but I don't want to start using what the capitalization rates. But if someone has $100,000 out there, they're netting at least $10,000 a year on their 100000 out there. That's our goal. Mm-hmm. And that's without the person cashing out at the end. If they cash out at the end and actually buy the house, then that jumps way up. Okay. And does that include the potential for needing to repaint it and recarpet it three or four years up the road because the person did move out? Here's how we do it. When we release option the property we keep the down payment the down payment is coming to us so for two reasons one because we're getting the down payment but also just for customer service and for building long term relationships our investors we've worked for a long time if something needs done unless we have to paint and carpet it and it costs us 1500 bucks we usually take that right out of the neck as long as we're doing the next lease option on it, we just take care of that out of the next lease option mm, okay. down payment okay Okay, interesting. All right, um, yeah, that's uh, that's not that's not something I've heard before. I, I'm going to write this down and think about it later because that's <laughs> that's that's very interesting. Okay, so you do continue to stay involved in the deal following yeah, the we, following the sale. We we stay involved in the deal, I guess, on a um, a moral and ethical standpoint, but not on a legal standpoint. We sell the property, we assign the lease option, and we're theoretically done. But so much of our business comes from referrals, from friends saying, hey, I'm making good money at this house. You should go talk about the house guy. And, you know, so I, I try to keep everybody happy. So they call me for advice, ask me things. We put it under management form. We're very tight with the management company. And we're always answering questions and doing tech support for them. All right. Very good. I want to throw open the floor for some listener questions here because I'm sure there's a bunch of them. You covered a lot of ground in a very short period of time here. And uh, I know there's some folks out there who are thinking, oh, I'd like to set up a business like Rob's. And there's some folks out there thinking, I want to I invest in properties like that. And there's some folks out there thinking, how do I get a lease option? That sounds great. So uh, again, our contact information, uh, you can call us here at the studio at 877 877- 772-9658 again 877-772-9658 the process for contacting us via the internet is to go to realliferealestate.com and just click on the ask a question button type in your question and where you're writing from hit the send button we'll get it here via email that's realliferealestate.com we'll be back right after this Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Rob Gillespie, Rob the House Guy. He is from the Cleveland area, does uh, business up in that quadrant of the state that um, uh, a lot of folks think of as being just like super depressed, just like just like um, everywhere else in Ohio is nothing but cornfields, right? There's cornfields and then there's Cleveland, and that's just how people 
view the state if they don't live here. But uh, he's got a good little business buying, renovating, putting people into um, lease options, uh, sort, of, sort of at the lower end of the scale. Like these would be FHA type buyers when they did finance, I would assume, Rob. Yeah. And Absolutely. helping helping them through that process because uh, that can be super confusing. Well, heck, it's confusing for me. <laughs> I've, I've applied for many loans in my life, but I know for, for somebody who might literally be the first person in their family to ever own a home of their own, I'm sure that that's kind of overwhelming. So um, uh, sort of trying to, to put them in the right mindset and make them understand what it is they need to do and... and um, help them out with that, and then selling those properties uh, to uh, primarily out-of-country investors uh, for who, who want to hold on to them for the cash flow. And of course, Rob makes a cash profit on the sale, and then the folks who buy it receive a more of a return on investment type of profit. Now, Rob, uh, I, I, you didn't you didn't specifically uh, say this, but I gather from your calculation that said oh, if they pay a hundred thousand, they're going to make ten thousand a month. That these folks are mostly cash buyers. Yes, I, I know there's a lot of turnkey providers across the country that allow people to leverage the properties, and then you show the larger cash and cash return for the down payment. I, it's just not my business model. Uh, we deal with cash buyers primarily. That's what Rob the house guy, not Rob the you know commercial real estate guy. We do a little commercial real estate, so a few apartment buildings and so forth. But primarily, I like the houses because the single-family home gives your average Joe an opportunity to become a real estate investor, become a player in the market, because you're buying a property in the Cleveland market for about the price of a low-end Mercedes. I mean, most people have their cars cost more than their investment properties. Mm-hmm. And it's not like the better entry of going and buying an eight-unit apartment building. And they're having to come up with, you know, four or $500,000 down and then go and finance. It just, it gives everybody an opportunity to play in the game. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, very good. Now, we do have some questions starting to come in. For them. These are, would be from folks who had gone to realliferealestate.com and uh, filled in the question and answer tab. Uh, this one is from Jim, who is from Independence, Kentucky. He says, maybe I missed this, and he might have already said it, but how does he find these out-of-country buyers? Okay, yes. They actually found me accidentally. And it, I, I always tell the analogy, it's kind of like the mouse that pulled the thorn out of the elephant's hoof and then became their buddy. And I found that's what worked the best. A lot of these investors will come into the market, those hooked up with an agent. There's nothing against agents, but some of the agents that they don't do the investment. They're just basically an MLS facilitator and sell them something. And there's not strong management in place. They don't have a strong rehab team in place. And the property goes bust, has all sorts of problems. And then they call me to try to sell me their problem. Mm-hmm. And what I always do when these out-of-state guys call me and offer to sell me, what I do first is offer to fix the problem. I say, listen, before you take your $50,000 investment and sell it to me for $10,000, why don't you use my team, clean it up, we'll refill the thing, get you on track, and then you can just buy some more and be happy. And that's how it all started. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> that's a because I just say you're going to have to let go of your five fifty thousand dollar investment for ten thousand dollars. <laughs> I haven't done that. We're feeling complicated. I just go ahead and write a check. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so that just all sort of um, 
snowballed in, into and now you know you're you're visible enough because i know you you are way visible up there like everyone knows who you are yeah you've got do you publish like a little magazine or something i i, I saw a, a like a color yeah. newsletter or something with your face on it yeah it's, it's my it's my ego-driven self to put out my own publication but all it does is talk about the um the marketplace in cleveland i talk about the good bad and the ugly i talk about things that go wrong about wintertime and pipes bursting or neighborhoods that have had a lot of problems for whatever reason, just for me. I won't specifically say that that's for any reason. I'll tell the experiences I've had there. And it's, for, it's made for folks that are property owners in the Northeast Ohio area, and they'd like to know more about it. And so I put that up to them and mail it out to them. And okay. Them a lot. So you say these people just found you, but the reality is they found you because you're putting yourself out there uh, yeah. a lot. I create videos, I put them out on YouTube, and I'm online, I have my publication, but I'm definitely not the power marketer. And you know, being as well as I do, there's these real estate investors that will spend $20,000 a week on postcards. Mm-hmm. I mean, you probably get them in the mail like I do. I don't spend near that. I just very laser beam target market people that might want to be buying in my area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. uh, Very good. Again, listeners, if you have any questions about uh, this business that Rob is running, give us a call at 877-772-9658 or go to our website at realliferealestate.com. While you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly e-letter because there's stuff coming out all the time now about uh, the programs. We've got some webinars coming up that you might want to be involved in and you're not going to know about it. Unless you're on the list, it's realliferealestate.com. Um, you can also check out the podcasts of the last, I don't know, 9,000 shows or whatever we've done. It's not that many. I don't want to like create that sort of expectation. But there are hundreds of shows up there on uh, on realliferealestate.com so that you can catch up if this happens to be the first time that you have um, hung out here with us on Real Life Real Estate Investing. Um, 877-772-9658 is again the phone number. Um, let's see, Joe, who is from Kansas City, apparently, would like to know uh, what your typical rehab cost is and what your typical all-in cost is on your typical house. And he says, I understand that they probably vary, but I'm sort of looking for an average because it sounds like Cleveland house prices are roughly similar to Kansas City house prices. Oh, I don't know a lot about Kansas City, but I can say the Cleveland. Uh, we have things called point of sale here. So point of sale means that the city, before an owner can sell their home, they will go through and graciously tell you everything you need to do to fix this house up to make it sellable. They'll walk through and find GFIs or windows or wiring or anything that could be wrong and say, okay, here's what we need to give you an occupancy permit again, even though someone might have been living there for the last 20 years. So in those cities, we can buy something for maybe, you know, mid-teens to mid-20s, like fifteen to 25000 And I'm going to give some rough estimates here. And about $15,000 will turn anything around and make it really nice. If it gets much over fifteen, then we're really looking at it twice to see how much money we're going to make on it. That just becomes more of a contracting business and less of an investment business at that point. Mm-hmm. So what would be income between thirty-five, dollars $40,000? And we usually sell them off to our investors for roughly 50 to 60, depending. depending. And sometimes the investors will pay more if, they, if it's one of ours 
that we hold in-house that already has a lease option, tenant buyer in place that we've had a year seasoning on and they're on the right track. We'll sell that a little bit more for a premium than selling the unknown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, again, there's, and I think, I think um, Joe understood this by, based on his question here. There's not, there's not a deal. There's a, there's a range of, of deals, but I'm guessing uh, that you now have it down to a point, Rob, where when someone calls you and says, yeah, I have a two family in Ashtabula, you just, you just, that's just a no, right? It's, it's... <laughs> right. You just know. I mean, you know, by the end, unless, we do find the oddball deals sometimes that are just, they're in a great area and they're still like price like they're inner city and it works up for some weird reason. So I listen to the numbers, but I can run numbers on a house. In literally two or three minutes, I have a 20-question a page that I have that my acquisition department gives me. I said, give me this 20-question answer, and I can tell you instantly if we're in or out. I don't have to go see the house mm-hmm. based mm-hmm. off that. And that is that is something that, that was uh, sort of – that was my very long-winded way of getting around to exactly what you just said. That is – the result of having reviewed probably tens of thousands of deals. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I have spent my life walking through houses, it seems like. <laughs> I mean, I've walked through about everything I could possibly imagine, many of them several times. But I've walked the same house back three or four times. Mm-hmm. Now, what would you say to somebody who's listening in and going, well, I can't do that because I'm just getting started and this whole thing sounds really great, but, you know, I have to go through the the... The, the process that people think you go through to become a real estate investor, which is wholesale, then retail, then, then do rentals and lease, right? They think there's a career path. <laughs> <laughs> there is no career path. I think the career path is finding a system that you like and what works well for you and running with it. Um, I always like to say, when I started in this business, we didn't have email. If they did have it, I sure didn't use it. And we had a roll paper fax machine, and I still paid by the minute on my phone. It was mounted in my car. <laughs> so it's like, if I look at it now, how easy the business is with the accessibility. I mean, you could turn on a house, I can pay the whole history and how much they paid for and mortgages and everything without leaving my debt. It's amazing. Uh-huh. So I always like people to realize what their superpower is. Everybody has a superpower. Are you really good at talking to people and finding deals? Are you really good at running crews and contracting? If you're at numbers, if you have a bunch of cash, where are you bringing it to the table? But don't try to be everything. Just figure out what you're really good at and then decide, do you want to be a wholesaler or a landlord or an international uh, turnkey provider? You know, what do you want to be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then just go do it and do it and do it until you've looked at the 10,000 deals and then you can do it just like Rob does. <laughs> it, honestly, it's, in it, it's easier now than it's ever been. When we got started, I mean, you really were trial and error. You had to find a mentor somewhere that would help you. And now with the information age, you can find so much about anything you want to do. I can tell you that there's a wholesaler that walked into my office. And he looked, this is no joke. He looked on Instagram, which I'm not an Instagram user, I guess, because I'm not 16. But <laughs> he, has, he looked and there's a guy holding a check on there for some crazy amount, 8000 or something, and says, hey, I wholesale the house. And he goes, what the heck does that mean? So then he goes on YouTube and starts watching videos of wholesaling houses. Then the time I meet him, he brings me contracts in the office and says, hey, Rob, what would you pay for these? And he found and negotiated some of the best deals people have brought me in a long time. 
he made 15000 from me his first month. Who mm-hmm. knows what he made from other people? Mm-hmm. And literally, he went on YouTube and looked and went and did and took some action. Now, he honed his skills since then and spent a lot of money on masterminds and everything else. But his first deals out, he came in here just dumb loss and just took action. <laughs> Very good. Um, we're going to take another quick break. We've got some interesting questions piling up in the uh, email here uh, through realliferealestate.com that uh, we're going to knock out real fast after the break. If you have a question, probably better at this point to call it in at 877-772-9658. Again, 877-772-9658. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Rob Gillespie, a.k.a. Rob the House Guy. If uh, if you're up in the Cleveland area and you want to run into Rob, um, Greater Cleveland Rhea is a good place to do that. That's a relatively new group uh, with the Ohio yeah. Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. When do, they, when do they meet? They meet the second Tuesday of every month, I believe. Okay, second Tuesday. You, you can it, it, greater. They they have a website and a Facebook page, and you can you can check it out there. But I know um, Rob was at the very first meeting because I was too. Um, we've got a couple of emails here to deal with. Uh, the first one is from Matt, who wanted me to point out to you, Rob, that the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association along with 1851 Center for Constitutional Law, is actively fighting those point-of-sale inspections that you like up there. And that <laughs> that Bedford, uh, a, a, a federal court uh, already suspended Bedford's um, point-of-sale inspection because uh, 1851 sued them. And we're trying to get those wiped out throughout the state because we don't think they're constitutional. But I think you'll probably, I mean, you've been in this business for, for 30 years. Let me bet that that is not a crucial part of your investment strategy that you will just keep right on going, even if there's no point of sale inspection. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to get political, but you know, whomever wins this next election, I'm going to go on regardless. It doesn't matter. <laughs> if, if whether these, home, these point of sales are here or not here, I'm going to go on. Uh-huh. Now, I think it's great. They're trying to get rid of them. I think that's really cool. I think it is unconstitutional. I think there's a way that they're just, you know, raising money for their cities. Um, but I'm not worried about it. Uh-huh. Whatever they decide to do, I'll just keep playing the game. Just tell me the rules. Uh huh. I I love it when the um, the you can't do that crowd. Grab you know, <laughs> you you yeah. can't do that. You can't do that either. You can't do that either. Um, yeah. grabs a hold of something like that and says, "Well, see, it won't work here because right? It won't. Right. It won't. Yeah. It won't. <laughs> it won't work in Ohio because the state wants you to have a real estate license to wholesale. There's point of sale inspections. Um, they just indicted somebody in northwestern Indiana, which we got to talk about in one of the upcoming shows here, uh, for for wholesaling HUD houses. It just won't work here, and you know, it's it's partly a misunderstanding of of what's actually happening. You know, and and partly just uh, there's some people gonna find a reason it's not gonna work, and then there's people who are just gonna keep keep doing it anyway. Um, Michael has an interesting question. Michael is from Pennsylvania. He says, "Is Rob's business affected by money laundering concerns or any anti-money laundering regulation? Does accepting investor money from overseas impose any new legal or regulatory burdens? Can you talk about this a little?" Well, it is it is funny you say that. Um, we have chosen to one of our strongest um, holds is in Israel, which Israel is America's buddy. So they're not on a terrorist watch list or anything. Uh, all our guys have LLCs here in the States. They have American bank accounts, and they're doing their taxes right and everything. So 
we try to shield ourselves the best we can by dealing with that. I, I think that I might have uh, a little more problem if I was trying to sell someone a house that was from the Gaza Strip or something that could be a terrorist organization. I don't know if I'd, I would try that as much. But, uh, no, I'm not too worried about it. I think that we're dealing with all pretty good people, and um, there's people like us that just want an investment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and mostly, uh, Michael, because I, I when I read the question, I was like, it sounds a little bit like he's accusing Rob of money laundering, but that's not that wasn't the nature of the question. The nature of the question was, there's a lot of I mean, there's a lot of stuff that if you try and do a transaction even with a bank, they they come back to you and they say, well, you you've got to somehow prove that this is not terrorist money or drug money or the organization. We got questioned one time because we have um, an LLC named after a dog and the dog's name was Tasha and it's Tasha's LLC with a Z on the end. And, and the state came back and said, is this related to the middle East? I'm like, no, it's related to a dog. So, I mean, that kind of thing is out there. Right. Um, but, but, but Michael, most of these, you'd be surprised at how sophisticated these out of country investors are. Like usually they come to you already set up. And, and a lot of times it's because there are people who make it who make it their business to go to that country and, and literally hold like boot camps and charge people to teach um, them yeah. how to do this. <laughs> I was actually hosted. They had, I saw a lot, it was a huge, 150 people paid to hear me speak in Tel Aviv. Uh, well, it was probably about six months ago I went over there and I'm going again in December. Um, yeah, they just hear me talk about American real estate. Yeah, and it's that's not... Funny you know, you, you don't you don't think about the slang and everything. So someone asked me if it was a good market, and I said, oh, my gosh, Cleveland's on fire. And they <laughs> gasped, and they go, you mean it is burning? And I'm like, no, no, you don't think about it because you're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> well, there was that one time with the river, but no, they put that uh, out. It's fine. And, yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> so, so, so um, yeah, so, so, but that wasn't a room full of people that you had to figure out how to find and market to, and there, there's some organization that is already holding that event and is undoubtedly charging those people to be there, and then they bring you over to explain, you know, how... Exactly. Yeah. They brought me over there, and they're basically um, resellers over there, is what they are. Mm-hmm. They're the resellers, so I don't have to deal with tons and tons and tons of different people in that country. I deal with one group over there, and they deal with tons and tons of people mm-hmm. over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and from what I understand from the um, turnkey providers that I know that provide U.S. properties to U.S. citizens. It's pretty much the same thing. Those same, those same organizations exist in California and, you know, all the expensive markets and uh, set people up to to come out to the Midwest and see what a $50,000 property looks like because they can't picture it. Right. Um, all right. So a uh, quick question. This is more of a, a technical one from Russ. He says, if a question comes up after the end of the broadcast, where would one, one send it? And the answer, Russ, is exactly the same place. You want to uh, go to com and do it exactly the way you just did it because, um, the, you know, it's not like the Internet closes down after we are off the show. <laughs> and uh, if it's something that uh, Rob would need to answer, I would forward that to him. And if it is something that is, you know, something I can answer in a future show, we do question and answer weeks on the last Wednesday of every month. Okay, so, uh, Rob, we got like four minutes left. And I always like to ask people who have been around the block a few times, who've done a lot of deals, who've done deals in a lot of different categories, which I know you have over the years, if you were sitting in front of a really serious new investor, 
mm-hmm. they had they you know they had or were willing to get what they needed to succeed. What advice would you give them to get them started off on the right foot? Well, funny you ask that because my 13 year old son took an interest in the business, and that was exactly what I had to do. I had to take somebody that really had no skills, no money, no credit, and teach him. And the first is take calculated risk. I mean, obviously, don't go and spend a bunch of money on something on a house you know nothing about, or just start throwing cash at something. Really, know your market, but don't get paralysis of analysis. Go out there and come up with a plan and execute the plan and give yourself some deadline and realize that everything you run across is not a deal. Every house that these people call on isn't going to be the one you need to buy. But just stay consistent and have more wins than losses, and that's just all success is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. The taking action thing is, um, <laughs> and there's, I mean, the, you know, there's, there's, there's a balance there. And I know, you know, uh, the, the, the folks who are involved in the leadership of real estate associations sit around and discuss this all the time, because it's this big question of how do you make people understand that there is a certain amount that they need to know? It, 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 it doesn't matter what they saw on television. It doesn't matter what they saw on the interweb. It, it, this is not a business where you can just sort of go throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. You got to know how to analyze deals. You got to know how to talk to people. You got to know what to do with the deals. But on the other hand, it, it seems to be um, less of a problem that people are running around trying to do stuff with not enough knowledge and more of a problem that they are trying to get PhDs in real estate before they go talk to their first seller. Exactly. I, I, I literally, and I'm not saying this to impress you, but it's to impress upon you that you don't need to know everything. I have done millions and millions in renovations. I'm probably talking this year I've done millions in renovations, and I can't drive a nail straight. I mean, just you don't have to do everything. You just have to know a little bit about it and have resources to talk to the person about it. I don't know the Cincinnati market, but I could promise that if a house got picked up, if someone offered a house in Cincinnati, I'd pick up the phone call and say, hey, here, a house on 4th Street. What do you think? It's worth something? Should I do it? And mm-hmm. she'd tell me. I don't have to spend six months researching. Right, right, which is a great reason. Again, go to your local real estate association. Come to things like the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association Conference where you can meet people from all over the world, really. Um, build your network, you know, do all those great things. We are unfortunately out of time, but uh, very much appreciate you sharing your experiences in business with us today, Rob. And we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <laughs>